0: And
1: we're live. I guess we're live. Are we live? Am I? Am I good? Is it <laughs> yeah, okay to good. talk right now? Okay. Uh how the hell is everybody doing? Welcome to <laughs> <laughs> what? I this? I just saw. I just saw the the image there. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> our <laughs> new Burger Queen. Yeah, caught caught me off guard um all right fair enough the five guys joke was just man that is clutch wow uh how's everybody doing welcome to another episode of thirsty thursday uh my name is matt sometimes i go by the grass factor martin alongside me is uh we have mr ryan demay and ray ito uh for those of you that are tuning in for the first time uh what we do on thirsty thursday is uh Sometimes we, we hop on here and we just hang out. Sometimes we hop on here and we just answer questions from the, uh, from the crowd, uh, other times we hop on here and we invite a, um, a member of the community to come on and, uh, and talk to us about whatever it is they got going on. It could be business questions. It could be project ideas. It could be, um, it could be just venting about the things that are bothering them in life, business, or even love We we can talk about it all, uh, that's, <laughs> Can't say we we, we discriminate that way. Uh, and you have to remember as you approach this, that, uh, we are equal opportunity on the show. Meaning, uh, we start at the baseline that we hate everyone equally. And, uh, and then we will work <laughs> our way up from there because if you start at the bottom, you have nowhere to go, but up. And, uh, and so, you know, if you, if you are, are, uh, into that kind of thing, then by all means welcome home. If you're not into that kind of thing, well, no harm, no foul. I'm sure there's someone else out there on the YouTube space. That will make content to cater towards you being really happy and, uh, and making you feel good about everything that you're going to encounter in the day. That is not us. Uh, unfortunately you may find uh, yourself laughing. Unfortunately, you may find yourself entertained. Unfortunately, you may find yourself angry. And, uh, unfortunately you may find yourself in a position of wanting to drink copious amounts of alcohol. Um, and, uh, and that is, that is okay. It is by design. Uh, that the panel that you have in front of you here is to bring forth uh, uh, three views, sometimes in a line, sometimes wildly different. And it is the contrast of personalities, the contrast of ideas, the contrast of experience that makes this exactly what it is. That is enough de-sucking for the, uh, or C-sucking for the uh, the intro of the show here. Uh, Gentlemen, how in the hell are y'all doing?
2: It was a little toothy, but I okay. came. Uh, you know, other than that, it's oh, all. <laughs> look at this. All right, so listen, I've oh, got. i So angry. <laughs> I've got to set. I've got the table here. So Matt so fucking. What when, when you're hanging out with your boys and maybe even like your wife too? This this can happen in any relationship as you get older. But Matt made the cardinal mistake. You 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 fucked up. Can you admit that you fucked up? He told us what really, really, really bothered him. And that was the word used in the context of feeling good, having a good time. The word vibe. So for the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, something like that, everybody has gone out of their way to make sure Matt is feeling the vibe. So much so that some uh, unknown person in, uh, in our community our fledgling community too, one that we fight real hard for and don't have a lot. It ain't much, but it honest. It's honest work, even if you're from Arkansas, and uh, or Mississippi, or Ohio, or Hawaii. I mean, really, any of those. Um, but we got Matt a shirt that says, "What does it say, Matt?" What does it say? Show us again. Uh it says, "It Show says it. it's Show a vibe." Doesn't it feel good to wear that? So you know, like I, I <laughs> thought this was good because. You know why? Because you'll never have to say it as long as you wear it because I think that was your big thing is you were worried about saying the word and now you can just be like
3: Right you know, there. That's, yeah. That's,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't mind saying the word, period. It's it's uh, what you will never find me do is use it in the context of describing uh, the emotional feeling of of a group, right? Like and i'll use this as an example um, to just to 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 demonstrate my uh, angst or um uh, just general disdain for the word in general uh, 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 for, for instance you know hey uh, me me and uh me and the buddies we went to uh we went to this to this uh english bar the other day uh called the union jack and you know it just had there was there's was just such a terrible vibe <laughs> That to me is the the grossest uh l- <laughs> laziest demonstration of 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 word usage I, I just think I could ever come across. I it it just it it sounds well, so listen. just I don't know fucking Gen Z. <laughs> it just sounds so zoomer to me that I mean it's it's literally the shit I hear when I come home from work. And my son's trying to get 10 minutes of youtube videos in because he knows that i'm an absolute asshole about about you know just coming home and watching him just spaced out on on youtube he's trying to get his <laughs> 10 minutes and i'm trying to talk to him about how school's doing because you know i work a lot and so i don't, I don't get a, just a significant amount of time to to ask him a lot of questions and you know i want to hear about what, what girls uh, he's got a crush on or girls have a crush on him or dudes or whatever you know i just i just want to talk to him about his day and uh, and in the in the background, you know, I hear some dude uh, talking about vibing or whatever that's that's going on. You know, like, oh wow, yeah, we are over here to this game? it's just such a vibe. And I'm like, I don't mind fuck this oh, thing, man. No. It makes me want to rip <laughs> my TV off the wall and uh, and take it <laughs> to the backyard and set it on fire. So, you know, it is <laughs> what else it is. is. And, and I it. and I'll take this. I deserve I deserve all the smoke for it. And uh, and I'll, and I'll take it. And so that, that's why I'm I'm proud. I'm proud to wear this shirt because it means, it means people care enough about, um, uh, about, about me to induce uh, significant amounts of anxiety and, uh, and, and <laughs> all that fun stuff that, that you know, hey, it, at least I'm on someone's mind, right? And I'll, I'll take there's, it. Now there's it.
2: somebody else that's going to try to induce some anxiety in our evening tonight. And that is our good friend, Eshot Marshot. Are, are, are you here? We plug him in. There he is. Look how studious hey, you know, this guy looks. God
1: Almighty, dude, so cleaned up from from the uh, from the live show. Uh, it was funny. I, oh, yeah. I met him. I met him at the live show. You know, and <laughs> let me tell you this: when you meet people at the live show, first off, right? You, I, I, obviously, you, you're putting people's faces in the you know names to faces for the first time, right? But then also, you got the aspect of you know, I think I think for even the most. uh, extroverted people. There's a little bit of social anxiety of walking into that. Right. And so everybody, everybody gets, um, not just a little bit sauced, everybody gets real sauced. Right. And, uh, and so when you, when you see people, it's like running into them after a college football game, you know? And, uh, and so everybody's a little crazy eyed, a little crazy haired and, uh, and, and, you know, just like on, on a solid level 11, uh, the, oh, here we go guys. The vibe is on a solid 11, right? So a lot of electricity. <laughs> and I fucking hate myself for saying that out loud. I fucking hate breaking myself down barriers to, tonight. I want this to go actually run around in the middle of my road and just lay down and get hit by a fucking dump truck. But, um,
3: but <laughs> this he, is actually the intervention it, tonight.
1: It, it's funny to see him not in that situation. Right. And he's like, he's got his fucking work glasses on. I uh, you know and and it's like ultra put together and professional and it makes me feel like an <laughs> asshole for i don't look any different than i did at the live show i still look like a a fucking batshit lunatic so you know
0: there it is hey i mean what was it said about me is that i i'm the same whether i'm sitting in front of the camera <laughs> or after my second bourbon i mean <laughs> yes know? What you yes. see is what you
1: got. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that so, is the damn truth.
2: What, what Marsha was telling us here in the pre-show was that uh, he and his lawn are on the outs, and uh, there was no prenup signed, so he kind of uh, gets to walk <laughs> away scot-free. He's, he's, yes. he's not leaving any baggage behind. And uh, well, maybe we don't know. We we, we got to see if uh, we file the papers tonight. We're we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> so we tonight yeah. are an extension of our uh, one of our greatest sponsors, Jesse Bousquet. We are his turf lawyers tonight, right? We're gonna we're gonna see how we can settle this uh, dispute with him and his lawn. So mm-hmm. lay it on us. What are you doing here, man? What what is uh, brought you to talk to three absolute degenerate pricks? Much <laughs> longer. So, so
4: I uh moved to St. Louis after after college and lived lived downtown for a while. Ended up getting married, having a couple kids. Decided I needed to build a house about an hour west of St. Louis and uh, got an acre and a half. Sounds, and sounds logical. Had a house built in 2019. And one of the things that I elected to do as instead of hiring somebody to do was put the yard in. I had some kind of idea of what i thought i wanted um growing up in northeastern ohio i thought bluegrass was a great grass and uh probably where i should go with it uh (laughs) i'm quickly learning that that was a mistake um and there's a lot of other mistakes that were made between then and now um the crux of it is is i'm kind of ready to drop back and punt but that being said um you know i've got two four-year-olds that are playing in the yard every day. And I, I don't want to go full scorched, scorched earth and, um, and, and create a mud bowl for this whole summer uh, while I make that transition. So I'm looking for what's the, uh, what's the way to do that. That makes some, some kind of sense. Um, I feel like <laughs> All right. uh, an example I had okay. today was that I'm asking how to run a marathon without stopping smoking, but, you know it, it, that's <laughs> eric
3: okay
4: we've been here and, hang really on before,
0: before
1: before you 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 look you are going to get three of the wildest most <laughs> polarizing opinions ever on this episode so that is a
0: beautiful
3: beautiful thing okay ray go ahead
0: okay uh eric i have a procedure that i use on yes. instances where I'm not allowed to bring in the bulldozer,
3: okay? And okay. what that what that is is that my understanding
0: leading up to this Onion show nitrate, is that you're giving oil. yeah you're giving serious consideration to replacing your cool season lawn with Bermuda grass. Am I right?
4: Yeah, that's that's where I want to be. Is or okay, Bermuda, um, ultimately. Okay, so shortage. Just not season. sure
3: how to get there. There's a way to plug
0: or implant Bermuda grass into your existing cool season turf in the springtime and then proceed to treat that lawn like a warm season growing. And what's probably going to happen when you do that is. Your Bermuda grass is going to thrive under the additional fertilizer and attention. And your cool season grass is naturally going to not be able to take the heat and is going to slowly fade away. But then in that time, you will still have some kind of a turf cover because
3: you didn't bring in the bulldozer. Okay? So I mean, that, that's just... That's just that's off just my, to a good start so because, far.
0: Yeah, because I've had situations where uh, I've been called in and the person tells me, you know what? I hate this grass. I realized I fucked up by having it installed here, but I don't want the back lawn to turn into a crazy, muddy dug-up mess. Is there another way? And then Right there, a light bulb goes in my head and says, Okay, how
3: about we implant plugs of another grass into
0: this existing lawn? And naturally, what it is is that what is implanted is more suitable for that area than what was there in the first place. So, naturally, the Plugged in or implanted grass becomes dominant, and the undesirable grass just gets, you know, overtaken or buried because it can't handle, it can't deal. So, you know, that's just my thought because you do realize, Eric, that under normal circumstances, any trace of Bermuda that finds its way into a cool season lawn. Becomes a nightmare weed situation,
3: it's right? Yeah, you can. I'm uh, telling
4: you, driving around, can, I'm driving just around, to, you can see that yeah, for sure.
0: I, I'm just telling you to deliberately create that situation, and then, hell yeah, this you know this year it's going to be a, a transitional period,
3: and then next year it's going to be a case where you're going to have mostly bermuda
0: should you proceed with this and then at that time it is not a big deal to quote unquote sign the final di- divorce papers and kick that witch out of the house gone <laughs> there i said <set> my piece <laughs> Gosh.
2: harsh yes harsh. all right
4: okay so so i, so, I kind of knew that was gonna be like the the fork in the road. Do you do you uh, you know pick a pick a specific spot and do it right, or do you you know plug and, and kind of play the long game? I, I guess I'm. What do you mean by plug? Like, like as far as okay, a physical. Okay, here's
0: act. what I mean by plug. Let me just kind of describe how I do it. I get a an auger that will drill a hole into the existing soil, right? And then I have inch and a half squares of my desirable grass, you know, lined up like, uh, you know, cake at a buffet. And then I just drop a plug into that hole that is about three or four inches deep. And this is a very important thing. When I plug grasses, I always cover that plug 100% with at least an inch of soil. And the reason why I do that is because that textbook way of plugging where you see all of these little tufts of grass sticking up like a like a hair transplant job, when you do that, you then commit yourself to having to water that area two to three times a day to keep those newly implanted plugs wet. But then if you do it subsurface, like how I'm describing, you then no longer have to really babysit it because it's protected from changes in you know heat and moisture. It's uh, protected by that soil that's on top of it. And so when it's ready, that Bermuda grass or whatever you choose to implant is going to jump out of those holes, overtake your lawn, and do so without, again, that whole disruption because you see... I'm rather sensitive to your situation where you say you have young children and they like to play in the yard and I've known of instances where digging up the yard is going to get you looks and worse from your partner because the kids can't go out anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where, I, where I'm going with this.
2: <laughs> uh. Uh, let, let's talk about some some ground rules here. So, how big is the area that we're talking about? Is this the whole lawn you're trying to do in one shot? And if so, how large is this? Or are we splitting it up? And if so, what are the sizes of the areas exactly? Oh my! Can you God. go to the um?
4: Yeah, can you go to the Google Earth oh. version? Uh, Jay pink
3: Oh, the, the
0: hor- so that's
4: area. the
3: vertical
0: view.
4: Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. I mean, it's oh 65, yeah, sixty-five thousand square feet. Um, <gasps> The area I have in yellow is probably like second tier. If I did everything that was mm-hmm. not in the yellow or orange, whatever that is, I'd be pretty damn mm-hmm. happy. Um, mm-hmm. The red is obviously like my high traffic areas and honestly kind of critical areas where there's not, mm-hmm. the top is not as good. It's more disturbed soil and between that Doesn't and the traffic, matter. when it comes into August, early September, it just looks like the worst, right there. Um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of, and so like that. the one in the back was like, if I if I could only, it's realistically, I'm not going to do 65,000 square feet this year. of Sod, oh, right? No. That's not the real thing. So if you told me I had to do it as sod and do it proper, that I was going to pick one of these or two of these squares and and uh see what happens. But so yeah, ultimately, going go sod. Is, is the short answer. Well,
3: and it. Okay. it what, There's it, an iron cutter farm,
4: an hour away, and mm-hmm. it's kind of what I would like to do. Um, okay. I asked them about sprigs, and they said that they only sell those to professionals that know what they're doing and don't mess it up. <laughs> and They wouldn't sell them to me, so uh, uh, um, unless someone <laughs> in the Discord wants to launder them for me, um, then I can't <laughs> buy sprigs from them. It's Black market sprigs. Hey, yeah, hey I
3: Eric. Uh, in some offer. ways,
0: I wish the sod farms in yeah. my area had that you know prohibition regarding sales, and in fact, I wish my sod farms also vetted whoever installed sprigs, because
3: uh, guys, do you know why I'm so cranky? Uh, you no. question? It is because several times a year, I get calls
0: from either the owner of the property or else
3: their landscape person that fucked up during sprig growing. And now there's knee-high weeds
0: or edge everywhere or worse and nobody knows how to deal
3: with it <laughs> Hell yeah! so all right all right let me let me give you
1: let me give you uh, well actually I, I need another pre-qualify here what is a reasonable amount of time to go from mud to uh a, no. a,
4: a, a walkable area area Uh, <laughs> very, very like, uh, I'll say seven to 10 days.
3: Okay. Whoops.
1: Okay. So then, yeah. then, then what you have limited yourself to is sod without a doubt. Uh, J. Pink, can we go back to the, uh, to the overview here of, uh, the, the Google Earth photo and, and you said priority in turn, if you had to prioritize these three red squares, you're saying the one on the back of the house is of the highest priority. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, I've got like a big covered patio in the back there. So that's ninety percent of where we're playing and is, is right there. That's big uh-huh. swing set mm-hmm. there now. And that's where corn roll happens, kinda of the flattest part of the yard. Um just kinda of natural barbecue place. And that's I guess maybe the, the to back up a little bit, I mean that's I have a lot of barbecues. I have a lot of nieces and nephews that, that come over and run around and we we use the yard a lot and frankly it just Mm -hmm. isn't a good yard to use right now i mean it doesn't look good play good doesn't you know it's i have to mow it at like three and a half inches just to get it to somewhat resemble green and i'm not really looking for the color as much as just the quality of grass to pick a a soccer ball in around pick your soccer ball around oh
0: understood it's not accomplishing that today so and, and
1: uh and you have, you have mapped off this area and you, and you say you're, you're thinking to yourself, like from a budget perspective, that if you sodded this entire back rectangle here, like that, that's, that's within the, the, your budgetary planning of this upcoming season. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Would that be all three of the red squares or just one or two potentially? Like oh, do the back yeah. and the side, for instance.
4: Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah
1: okay okay so um jp if, if you don't mind uh throw up uh a, a, the before picture i sent you and then we'll switch to the after and i and i and i'm just going to put this out there to sh- to demonstrate the veracity of of bermuda graphs in general right and i can uh give you the dates on these um based on the uh the file name so this first one here that we're looking at is july 11th of 2015. And uh, then, was shortly after, I got the phone call about this field, right? And this is afterwards, and this is uh, September, um, uh, September the third of twenty fifteen, right? And and it, and this is this is just purely to demonstrate how v- violently uh, Bermuda grass can go once it begins to go, right? Now, um, so there's a couple caveats here. One, you can see this did not completely fill in a hundred percent in that time period, you know, the ryegrass still had to go down in order to get a hundred percent coverage and all that fun stuff. But you know, what it did was it provided a decent enough base to be able to provide a playing surface to, uh, to get the, to, to salvage a, a field to have a football season. Right. Um, all right. Now, if we go back to this, to this overview here, from my perspective, uh, and, and, and showing you what I just showed you there is one, I think sod is going to give you the fastest potential to have turf that can grow uh laterally at at, 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 at a at a at a high pace, right? Now, a couple caveats to that would be uh it's just because you put sod down doesn't mean it's immediately going to start running every which direction just within 7 days, right? There's going to be a, a lag period between the time of the establishment to where it's starting to really feel good and wanting to go uh number two is that you're going to have to strategize uh about creating conditions to want for the grass to want to move into a certain area, right and a lot of times that can be like eliminating competition so uh in in some instances, that means you know like killing an area to provide uh, less competition for an area to to be more favorable to grow into assuming. Again, the another caveat here would be adequate soil moisture. Uh, number three would be you're having to contend with traffic through this whole thing, which is going to work against you. So why I would recommend picking two, for instance, like the back and a side area, is that that will give you an area less impacted by um, uh, 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 traffic to also use as a meeting point for Uh, a high traffic area uh, that may not be able to grow as aggressively because it's undergoing its own repair. Uh, Another area that is not going to be trampled so often uh, to to be able to, to maintain that heightened state of spread, right? So if it were me and I'm going to assume that your highest traffic area is going to be number one, your uh, second highest traffic area is going to be uh, the area in, fr- in the in the front of your house. I'm sorry. Number one would be the back of your house. Number two would be the front of your house. Number three would be the side of your house. It was just, it's just my guess right now. So I would say uh, do uh, uh, one and then uh, being the back of your house and then the side of your house. Right. And then uh, once that goes and you're going to be able to tell when it starts creeping because you're going to have to start mowing it and you're going to notice funny things like runners, for instance, start to form. And then that's when you can start making your strategic applications of herbicides in order to clear off an area for your uh, your uh, Bermuda grass to run into. Now, the other piece of this is that when you're choosing the herbicide to spray uh, for an area to run into is, you know, what can you spray that will eliminate the grasses you're dealing with and not. Uh, inhibit a significant amount of growth of the Bermuda grass? Well, that could be one thing. It could be two things. It depends on how careful you are making that application, right? Because, you know, you can come in with an application like, for instance, four ounces uh, per thousand of glyphosate and uh, and just have that, that would be, you know, 160 ounces per acre, right? So a nice, uh, uh, a thorough, a high percent use dilution type of application there to make sure that you're getting not just, an adequate kill, but an adequate fuck you kill kind of sort of thing. Right. And, um, but the thing is, is that if you start catching runners from your Bermuda grass with that rate, you're going to hurt the holy shit out of those too, right? Then you might w- start thinking like, okay, well then maybe I can use a, uh, a sulfonylurea. And so, you know, maybe make a, uh, a couple of passes of an application like revolver or an application like monument, uh, to be able to work out s- and grow towards.
0: Or even Celsius will work on this application where if you hit the perimeters of your red area with Celsius herbicide, that is so detrimental and damaging to cool season grasses. Yet at the same time, it is very gentle to the Bermuda. And something like Celsius even comes into play should you decide to do what i initially suggested and just plug in bermuda and when you see that bermuda start to run out of those holes make an application of that celsius and it's magical because the bermuda is not inhibited or harmed but the cool season grass may not be outright killed but it'll be severely stunted and set back you know that's the that's the beauty of Doing this selectively because make note of how at no time did I suggest you go in and put down three or four ounces of glyphosate to the area that even you want to plug because you are going to plug in place in your existing turf. And when the Bermuda is visible, that's when you say bye-bye to the old cool season.
1: So I, and I, and I just wanted to throw that out there as an alternative to plugging, right? Because you could, mm-hmm. you could, you know, literally trade effort for, uh, for budget, right. And invest the budget in, uh, nitrogen or, uh, uh you know, be able to probably reduce your nitrogen to a, a more reasonable amount and, and, and replace that cost with effort, right. Of making your herbicide application, backing down a little bit off your nitrogen rate, and then replacing it with plugs, right? Because that's going to give you another, another point of spread, right? And so the beautiful thing about a plug actually- is that as you, you physically remove it, and then you implant it in an area where grass wasn't growing previously, and then you backfill the plug that you pulled with like a scoop of sand or something, right? And, uh, and now you've got another grow point where you didn't previously have a grow point, right? And then you can rinse, recycle, and repeat that. And the beautiful thing is that where you pulled the plug, that will fill in relatively quickly—a couple, two, MOS, mows—and you're going to be back in business there to go ahead and start pulling another plug, right? And uh, or you can pull ten plugs at one time, or fifty plugs at one time. You know, you you kind of you get to dictate the amount of effort that you want to to pull there. Now, I'll say this: when, is that when you you're want to, just mm-hmm, yeah, when you're when you're just going to grow it through fertility, uh, you know, you're you're going to be. Running, you know, three quarters of a pound of nitrogen every thirty days, and you're going to have to mow it like you own it, kind of sort of thing, right? And just understand that, you know, it's this year's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. We're going to mow a lot, but chances are we could probably grow in twenty thousand square feet of grass if we play our
0: cards right. Actually, Nat, uh, J. Pink has his soil test results. And yeah, let's take a I rest. saw something on yeah, I saw something on those soil test results that is not oh god, we can't grow Bermuda here, but I am gonna say that if this is not addressed, uh ability of that Bermuda to thrive and grow may be limited. And you know what I'm looking at, Matt? Yeah, I think you're with, with
1: sod down a little ammonium phosphate is your friend there. No,
0: actually what I'm looking at is growing fertilizer has to be one pound of N, P, and K respectively from one, 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 no matter what you, do that too? you, yeah, no matter how you, how you decide to establish this. And the other thing that I'm looking at as well is his potassium levels because I find that the limiting nutrients for Bermuda growth and health and vigor are P and K because this as a cool season lawn these numbers are perfectly acceptable this works for a cool season lawn because cool season lawns don't need as much but you take a grass like Bermuda grass that has a high, you know, growth potential, especially during the summer. It's basically a growing child that has to be fed.
3: (laughs) Now I'll, I'll push back back a little bit
1: (laughs) in this instance that I can't say I've ever directly attributed, uh, K levels of 135 as, uh, as creating any issues for Bermuda growth, but uh, it definitely at 14 pounds of phosphorus, like without a doubt, you know, I'm 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 definitely getting P down uh during during that grow in process. Um if 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 not just at time of sod uh in one of those one of those applications after the fact as well too. Um but I'm not I'm not stressing over 135 parts per million of potassium yet.
0: Yeah, well it, and the reason why I'm saying one 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 is because What is the most cheapest thing easily available? Yeah, the most Mm -hmm. easiest thing to get and get a hold of is simple one one one. The kind that the lawn snobs and the self proclaimed experts look down on, because you know, Matt. There's been so many times when I've turned lawns around, applying one 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 to it. Okay. There's so many times that I've
3: made grass do what people wanted it to do just by giving it some 111. And it's not because I did these strange
0: ratio fertilizers. It's not because I wanted to be, you know, prescriptive and just give it ammonium phosphates. Because, by the way, ammonium phosphate is not always the easiest thing to source. Not always.
3: Well, as part of a
1: quote unquote starter fertilizer or a 111, most times it is going to be ammonium phosphate will be your derivative. Actually going and sourcing ammonium phosphate, yeah, that's normally pretty hard to find. That's a bit
0: hard. Yeah, it's it's not that easy to just get because, you know, the uh so called prescriptive approach would be to just apply ammonium phosphate without any Okay, but then in this case it's easier to get a one 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 and cover everything and you're done <laughs> keeping it simple
1: so do you do you do you hear the two uh contrasting approaches here Aaron?
4: i do and to be frank i thought they would come from the opposite people um I that i thought that those were the two options i thought that you would be in the camp of of kind of spread some sprigs and fertilize the hell out of it and make it spread. Um, and then I thought Ray would be, you need to pick X number of square feet and, and lay sod and, and get it growing in strong. And then from there you can, you can pull plugs and, and do what you want, um, but tackle it on a bite by bite basis. So, so I, and, and I, I, is that a fair assumption of exact, of what you're saying is you can either spread plugs or sprigs or whatever you want to call them. and try to grow those in and then kill off the cool season. Once you've, once you've got something going or, uh, we're not even saying sprigs.
1: I think, I, I think really from, from us, we're just saying sod and then you can either plug the sod or just kill an area and push the sod to grow. Um, and when Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan's having to, uh, check on his kid real quick, but when he comes back, I'm sure he'll give, he'll give, uh, another contrasting opinion on how to approach this too. Um, the, and, and, you know, I, I'll say this is that typically my approach to these things is, um, I am, uh, uh, I'm, I'm lazy as hell. Right. So the, the idea of, of pulling plugs and then planting them in another place and having to go back and backfill it, uh, it just, it, it gets into my brain and I, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Right. Because, what, um, I don't know what why. What kind it's of space are we
4: talking there? Like, With three, like okay. three foot, one foot. If I. Six inches no okay if i if I plug imagine
0: plugging on a six inch center in the areas that I intend to establish, and again, the way I even deal with plugs is I have a sheet of sod from the sod farm that I cut into those inch and a half or so pieces, and I have a drill set up and I'm drilling the 3-inch diameter holes rapid fire everywhere I want a plug to go down so it is not a long or extensive process you know
3: I do substantial area in one day by by that procedure one day it's it's done in any way easy. <laughs> well it actually, you said it doesn't sound easy.
4: No, I oh, mean that it, it like for, a,
3: that's,
4: a, that's a day. That's a day of work for sure. I mean, like not not it, same. It, it's it's I'm, it, one day of work. I don't against yeah, it, but I don't want to. Yeah, it takes some work. It is
1: it is, is it's not hard. It's just repetitive.
0: Yeah. It's repetitive, but the other factor too is that remember now, I'm dealing with an instance where I'm not allowed to bring in the bulldozer. The existing turf gets to stay while I transition from a failing turf area to a more hardy turf type, which is Bermuda, for example. And in fact, I transitioned over somebody's failed experimental lawn to Tiff Grand like that. And all I did was just drill in, you know, holes all throughout that lawn drop a plug of uh, TIF-grand into those holes, cover it back up, roll it, and in a few months, this person had a TIF-grand lawn because once I saw the TIF-grand coming, I then applied a selective herbicide that smoked the previous turf grass. And at, at no time was it Muddy or churned up or turned over. Okay, at no time was it, you know, dug up or muddy. In other words, this is a way to do it without disturbing the existing turf very much. Because there's one more thing that we got to talk about. And that is no matter what you do, or how you do this my next question is is how are these areas that you marked out in red going to get water
4: yeah uh i mean okay um,
0: okay <laughs> yeah how are these areas going to get water because you see regardless of whether you saw it or you plug or whatever uh these areas are going to need water When they need water. And I'm glad we don't even talk about sprigs because, you know, if you sprig an area, you know, with just bare root sprigs of, say, Bermuda, you've then committed to watering that area at least three or four times a day until those sprigs actually take root. And that may take two weeks to happen. So. That's why I never even mentioned sprigs, because I know that with plugging, and specifically subsurface plugging, those subsurface plugs will grow on whatever water is needed to keep the existing turf grass alive. And with sod, if you do decide to sod, until that sod takes root, uh, that area will need to be kept damp so that the sod doesn't dry out and it has an opportunity to take root into the soil below. So water is everything in this case, actually, right, Matt? Water is your yep. friend. <laughs> yep. And, you know, that field that Matt uh, posted a picture of, that's on irrigation. That's on automatic irrigation, isn't it?
4: And a lot of it, yes. for
0: sure. Yeah, and Likewise, all of the turf areas that I manage are all on automatic irrigation as well. So,
3: you know, this kind of leads me into another question in that I know
0: that cool season grasses can survive and manage, you know, as far down as. The Missouri area, however, what the limiting factor becomes is availability of water when the grass actually needs water. That's, the, that's going to become the limiting factor because I can tell you without a doubt that even Bermuda has its limits as far as how much trout it can survive. Even Bermuda has a limit. So if it gets exceedingly hot and dry,
3: expect to lose a large amount of the Bermuda too. Because if it gets too hot, it's gone. If it's too dry, it's gone. So, you know,
0: I'm all in favor of... Oh, and let me ask you this, because I'm pretty sure Ryan's going to ask you this. When is the time of heaviest use of this lawn? Summer. Like when does this lawn get uh, summer? Okay, okay, yeah. and June, July, this, August. This is like okay because I'm thinking that because this would be the you know June, July, and August would be the exact time of the year where for a cool season grass you would otherwise have to keep the kids off so that you can water it and keep the grass treated and all of that you know during the summer months. Whereas with the Bermuda, eh. You know, just keep it watered, keep it fertilized, mow it, and the kids cannot wear it out. <laughs> or they'll have a hard time wearing it out, okay? that I can kind of see where this would be a viable option, because when you tell me a cool season grass, everything that Ryan tells me about cool season grass says that in the summer, it is basically hanging on for dear life, and it, makes a comeback come about september
3: or october when it cools off again
4: yep that's and, uh, and you see course, what survived the summer it's not a hundred percent in ours in not hundred percent
0: exactly so
4: yeah
0: again uh but you know that that leads leads me to no matter what you do a key to having you know a functional lawn is going to become Supplying water. Okay, that's going to be the the crux of the issue: is supplying water when the law needs the water. I mean, you're not going to need water in the fall and the winter, but then you're certainly going to need the water in the summer, no matter what you do.
3: Yeah, yeah. But
4: that being said, the is it reasonable to expect the Bermuda to need less water? To, to Yes. Behave better. Yes. It's with going to, it, longer periods without water. Okay.
3: Okay. Here's,
0: you know, to give numbers to this, is I've dealt with Bermuda on what's called an irrigation or ET deficit. And what that means is I'm supplying water to that Bermuda at amounts less than the estimated evapotranspiration rate. Whereas with a cool season grass, you try to short it its water during the hottest part of the year, what you saw happened at your house is probably going to happen to
3: it. You know, it's that's not going to make it. So if you know if you put
0: Bermuda and a cool season grass side by side it will literally perform a lot better on an irrigation deficit versus the cool season grass any day and the funny thing about Bermuda is that the hotter it is the better it grows
4: yeah that's that's been just shocking how hot it gets here in the summer. Um I, Well, I mean it's, because it's incredible. <laughs> yes.
0: Actually not not it wouldn't it's not shocking to me. And I'm specifically thinking about how ideal Bermuda growing weather is actually daytime temperatures above ninety and nighttime temperatures above seventy. That's ideal conditions for Forget Bermuda. That. Literally. You got that? Okay, perfect. Then you literally have no business growing cool season grass. <laughs> there, <laughs> okay. You got no business because that because those temperature conditions basically are the temperature conditions
3: where cool season grass just dies. Dies. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Right domain we have given him a lazy
1: way to do it we have given him uh a little bit more effort way to do it uh what what where, where are you at on this what would be your <laughs> approach
2: at tackling it so if i heard correctly i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna do a full consultant here okay. so the <laughs> we know that the backyard is probably most important right the, I'm assuming the side yard is probably the second most important and the front is the third. Is that accurate or would you change the order there at all?
4: Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I would say that the back is the worst condition. The front is the second worst condition. And then that on the kind of east side of the house, that doesn't look terrible. I mean, it doesn't, it, it struggles at times. But, from a, but um, from a use standpoint, like what you want. Use side, highest enjoy. use is the back. second highest is is that side yard the front yard is is actually kind of sloped a little bit that's just nobody plays there
2: there's a ron henry video for that just check that out all right so (laughs) uh yeah anyway so okay uh and if i heard correctly too that budget wise there's probably enough to do the side and the backyard maybe like this year and then, you know, kind of see how that goes before we pull the trigger on the front. Is that fair to say?
4: Yeah, um, I would probably throw some like I would probably do half of what's in the front. I would get the first X number of feet off of the sidewalk because it's essentially dirt right now. Um, I didn't oversee it last fall just to kind of see what. So I guess to, to to take a step back. Um, So put the yard in in 2019 in the fall. Uh, or, yeah, so it came out 2020. I did a heavy overseed in 20 the fall of 2020 because um, it was still kind of had some gaps and, and was just it needed some love. Um, it looked really good that next spring came out looking looking good. Summer just destroyed it. I thought it was all dead. Um, as I overseeded it that time, I I actually went with like a um, power rake and and drop cedar you know plus cedar and did that. Uh, cuz i thought i was i thought i was just reseeding a yard went 100% fescue at that point um and two or three days later it comes back like gangbusters and i don't know if it was just waking up what was there or it's the seeds but either way it looked pretty good um so i kind of convinced myself that it was just waking up what was there and i kind of happened to time it on the weirdest day of the year to seed um so i didn't seed this fall partially because i knew that i was doing this and partially to see what the hell would happen um, if i didn't and uh it was mostly dead and uh we got some we got some bear spots today um okay okay that's where we stand
2: all encouraging stuff wow <laughs> yeah. okay so th- the other thing too i don't I, I have a pretty good suspicion based on looking at the uh, aerial photos but no irrigation anywhere right you'd have to run hoses no irrigation irrigated. correct no. okay okay do you i mean is the the ability to go out there and like pull a hose or set the sprinklers up on timers and all that kind of stuff. Like, is that, is that in the cards? Do you think?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's within honestly, probably within the red circles. Um, it, I, I, oh, well, everything outside of the yellow, I, 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 um, can keep up with if I wanted to do the entire yard with hoses yeah. and timers. That's, that's asking a lot. Okay. But I would say everything outside of that yellow. Um, is, is kind of what i watered on seeding um I, I managed to keep that pretty pretty good on the initial grow in 2019
2: and the last thing i want to confirm too is that you said that this soil is somewhere between baby poop and dog shit. is that correct
4: <laughs> i don't think that's a quote but yeah yeah it's a, i would
2: yeah i mean i i heard you say it eric okay i mean yeah. all right <laughs> now all right so My thing would be this is, uh, you know, a couple things to help you out. One, uh, if you have the budget scratch, you know, growing good grass and crappy soil is still going to be a chore. I don't care who you are and where you're managing turf. So, you know, I wonder, I'm not saying go in there and bulldoze it, dig it out, all that kind of stuff. What I'm saying though, is that perhaps, right. You can build up some grade in some spots to give yourself a little bit more depth. And then as you get over to, you know, close to like, say a, uh, you know, if you've got like a patio or something out back, right, you kind of dig down a little bit right there next to the patio so you can, you know, still have a nice, you know, four or five, six inch profile of soil, and then you taper your grade back and kind of go up and down, right? So there's an opportunity there, I think, to maybe bring in some better soil, and that's going to help you uh, in the long run, not only grow turf, but right, but be able to manage moisture a little bit better. Uh, and all those things, right? So that you don't have to pull the hose out quite so often and maybe do that. So that's one thing that I would strongly consider if I were you to maybe uh, look at doing. Obviously that adds a little bit of complexity, but I think overall short, medium, and long-term, you're going to be a lot happier than saying, man, I had this great opportunity and I spent all this money on sod and I sodded it over baby poop and I'm I'm left with nice grass on baby poop and that's not good. Trust me. i I grew a lot of... Uh, Ray grows a lot of that. I grew in a lot of that. Matt's grown a lot of that. It's it's not fun. Okay? So, look at the soil actually, piece there. What?
0: Actually, the whole thing is, is that already, with a yard like that,
3: I will not entertain pulling hoses. You know, not entertaining it. Because, Well just, <laughs> No. No. Absolutely not.
0: I
2: mean Eric's gonna buy himself, buy himself a Geo Ripper and be out there with his shirt off, just going ham. Just look watch out. Ray's gonna get commissioned no. too. Matt should no, get well, some it, turf stuff it, radio it, commission on that too. It's I, no
0: no the reason why I am not a a hose fan is because You heard it here. To get to get moisture and irrigation consistent and uniform in an area with a hose is that to me becomes complex that becomes difficult i mean that's just another layer of difficulty whereas several hundred feet of pipe buried in the ground takes away that complexity and i don't disagree i don't disagree and if you're going to spend money on a brand new grass, you're going to spend money on sod. I become personally nervous with the idea that that sod is not going to be assured consistent irrigation.
2: Because that's what I think me. you can get established. I think you can get established with temporary irrigation to be okay. I think that the, the but, thing, the pain in the ass is going to be is two summers from now, you know, if you get one of those famous July St. Louis droughts, do you really want to mm-hmm. be out there pulling hose? That's the question. Like, so don't think about it so much on the establishment. Think about it. Like if this is going to work, this is going to be a, you know, 15 year investment. I don't know. You know, 20 years, who knows how long Fifteen, twenty. you you to, know,
0: or Oral, else Bermuda what I know about Bermuda is that Bermuda can be eternal because for goodness sake, uh, I take care of an area of Bermuda that's over 60 years old. Seriously, it's over 60 years old. So I bet you, Matt, it's Matt not. Matt and
2: some of those Augusta neighborhoods got 100-year-old Bermuda.
3: Yeah, exactly. So
0: just think, no, what is the you know, limiting factor. And to me, it sounds to me like the limiting factor is when it turns
3: hot and dry, but still humid. That's your actual yeah. limiting factor, I think.
2: So uh, I'll give you this homework of just think about the irrigation system, right? Uh, and, and think about it in these two contexts. One, how are you going to water it temporarily? I, you know, I always like the uh, Rye North setup where you get yourself, you know an mp rotator or a pgp you stick it on a you know pre-built piece of one inch uh pvc and just you know those are way easy to get good distribution uniformity way better than the half moon or the oscillating sprinklers or anything like that so just try and get yourself some of those built so they're ready to go uh cheap easy to use can't go wrong with it but think about you know the long term here's the thing is that you could always go back in and add irrigation after that especially if you have bermuda because like you open this up in, like, May, and if you have to, you know, trench in some lines or rip them in with a G-Rip or something like that, like, you won't even know that that <laughs> happened by the end of the summertime. So it's yeah. always something cool, you can cool. kind of have in your back pocket of, hey, get a quote, you know, maybe see what it is or think about doing it yourself. You know, I don't think it has to be a, a terribly complex system and go from there. You know, the things that um, I think from an establishment standpoint, sod's fine. Uh, you're not going to sprig. You don't have time. You don't have the political capital uh, to do something like that. So <laughs> not let's, not go, let's not fool ourselves. Well, maybe maybe further out in the yard, you can do some FAO stuff later on. Later on in life, but let's get the, let's get this done first. So sodding is important. Uh, you know the moisture management is going to be important, all that kind of stuff. I think what you're going to find, and this is going to be sort of some of the tricks that you're going to have to do. I saw J Farm put something in the chat. You know. So let's talk about maintenance, right? And then let's talk about the problems that can come downstream. What do you need to be prepared for? Installation, happy to take any questions, you know, uh, you know, at the end of like, you know, what should you do, how should you do it? But I think more more importantly is going to be on the maintenance side of things, you know? So let's say you get this thing started late May, early June, I think you're probably dropped dead dates, probably like the 4th of July, you know? And uh, let's say we start going, what are you going to mow this thing with? And then what are you going to be mm-hmm. able to do from a, you know, cultural practice perspective to make sure it doesn't get all puffy and lumpy and, you know, not be, be just not fun to deal with anymore. Not cool.
4: Yeah. You're not going to like either one of these answers. As, uh, that's you know, okay. Yeah. No, I, that, that, that's, I,
2: I, I, had, I, generally uh, reserve judgment. 48
4: inch zero turn is, uh, is, the answer to the first one and uh that's, okay. that's kind of oh, what we got dear.
2: in the, that oh, oh come on ray listen listen here's what i said oh, uh, wait goodness. a second i'm going to show you ray i'm going <sighs> to show you a picture and i'm going to can blow. do it you can do it all right listen i'm going to blow your mind here hang on let me get it let me get a good yeah. picture here while we're talking and um i guess one thing, know, right the on,
4: thing on that is is i would is it realistic to have one maintenance cut and like to mow it all the same, um, I understand that the cool season is not going to like it. No, just from a practical sense, I can't. No, it's not. You know, it's no. not, not going to adjust my deck height uh, halfway through yeah, a strike. It's
0: not going to work if you are going to mow the Bermuda at the same height as your cool season. However, okay, I'm going to, you know, agree partially with how. You know what. It is okay to mow Bermuda with a zero turn. However, in order to make that work, you need to do a hell of a lot more mowing on it versus if you were to just do it the right way and do it with a real cut. Because the deal to making rotary cutting a warm season grass work is that you need to mow it so often And I know it can be done in these sports fields where they have a full-time staff or an almost full-time staff looking after
3: it. You know, there. (laughs) Can be done. I agree. It can be done. I mean, however,
0: looking at it from a residential maintenance standpoint, uh, I know the practicalities of having to mow an area daily or almost daily, it's hard in a residential area where it can be hard. It's unless definitely... you want to become, unless of course you want to become a YouTuber where that's what they do is they, they show off their, uh, their, their grass that they're mowing twice a day because they're over fertilizing, but then that's I digress.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here, I'm going to give you this picture first. And it's not really anything to look at other than just up close. But so here's the thing. I, I think there's no way to keep it all one height. That'd be difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, you're talking about changing heights, uh, thing. um, on the mower. You're yeah. You're talking about ch- yeah changing heights on the mower. How, how big are these areas? Roughly? Like, what are we talking? And is that 48 inches because you don't want to buy another mower and have to deal with like pissing around with all that stuff or, What's the what's the impetus here to just stick with it? And yeah. I'm not criticizing. I'm trying to understand. No, yeah, just just. Uh, so I had a
4: walk behind for the first two years, and then last year broke down and, and bought a zero turn, and and uh, good man. Yeah, I guess don't really want. And, and I mean, I guess to to raise point. I mean, I'm already roughly two hours into mowing as it is. So to 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 take that into two separate things and and, and add time is not. But at the same time, I work from home. I can go out and take a long lunch break and mow every other day. And that's what I do in the spring and, and fall when it needs it. So it's mowing every, frequently is not a big deal, but extending the mow time to like a whole day operation would, uh, would take down some of my political capital in the house, I think.
3: <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. okay.
0: So, and here's where. I'm gonna be like, how shall I say controversial? And now that I have more facts in hand, I'm really thinking hard about Bermuda here, period. And uh-oh.
3: What, I'm th- well, uh-oh. what I'm thinking wow. of- Wow, we
2: devolved really aggressively. <laughs> what I'm thinking
0: of is what if-
3: You're,
2: you're gonna okay. You're gonna divorce if- yourself and then marry your wife's sister.
3: No, what if now instead It's getting weird you then are able to consistently
0: supply water to the to your existing cool season grass such that you can keep it over the summer.
2: Yeah. I don't know about that. So Well I, and the I, reason why I I'm don't... saying
0: that is because of the because of the mowing thing. Okay? That's that's my I'm only throw, reason I, why I, I, I grew in my backyard
2: with with a Kubota rotary mower with no issues at all. Let me throw a curveball at you here real quick, gentlemen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a nasty one. Are you ready for the cheese right here? Let's do it. Let's How do about it. Zoysia?
3: No. Fuck no. Fuck even Even worse.
1: Even Why? worse. No.
2: Fuck no. Why?
1: It is such a slow establisher that this is, this is going to go no, from a, a two-year he's to a year no, He's yeah, sodding.
0: Yeah, every year he's going
1: to be sodding pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets. Versus and not only that. Okay. With Bermuda, literally, he can rotary mow this over the course of two years and grow in 60,000 square feet.
0: Okay, and I'm thinking about something else. Last All thing right. I ever want to see in a yard. anybody's yard even my own. even my worst enemy is rotary cut zoysia i don't want to see it Uh... okay i really don't want to see that at all ever and you see it it then comes down to okay what are a person's maintenance capabilities that's my determinant as to what kind of grass would be most appropriate or most suitable for them? What are their actual maintenance capabilities? You know, that's, that's what I think about is, what kind of maintenance is a person able to provide to an area? Because, yeah, I've seen what happens when zoysia grass gets put in places where it's not mowed low. It is hideous. It is gross. <laughs>
2: All right, so then let's go back to Bermuda. All right, all I'm saying is this: is that you can mow it. I think yeah, stress out your cool season. Maybe that'll help your warm season. You know, get a little bit of a foothold in the summertime when it's a little bit more aggressive. So, uh, growing wise, it's not going to change much. Um, maintenance wise, you know, you, how low can you mow that thing without scalping the rest of your yard? That's my question. I don't know. But how guys, how,
1: but... how difficult is it to raise and lower your deck on your forty-eight inch? You know, aren't those typically like super, super easy? Super easy.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a foot pedal. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you're, if a... you're
1: mowing if you're mowing sixty thousand square feet, or you know, we'll say you sod four thousand square feet, right? You mow sixty thousand square feet once a week at uh at four inches, and then you know, twice a week you're mowing at two inches your sodded areas. I mean, is that is that does that sound crazy? No.
4: That's <laughs> It, it it I guess what I can't get my brain around is like is it that clear of a line that you're like this is yes. exactly where the Bermuda is. Exactly. Oh yeah, you're yes. it's oh. like it's gonna stick uh, out oh, like, a yeah. oh, holy like, no. okay. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah
1: i mean the holy is a, hell I mean, there's be no doubt about it you will not be able to mistake the two you're gonna feel like you will feel like a legit 10-year veteran looking at this at, at these lines and be like this is clearly what i fucking want and this is clearly what i don't fucking want
2: so you, you do Bring not your, have your to wife worry out about there and getting confused your, on that impress her with your grass id still sweetheart yeah. right there uh, what we have Sweet
1: here it. this is tall fescue <laughs> Uh, tall fescue prefers. You the do like the, between three and a half
2: to four and
3: a half inches. <laughs> in you should actually do here. it like
2: the eye doctor. Like, here's one. The eye doctor. There's two. One. Which do you two. prefer? Which one? Which? one no. Yeah. Which do you prefer? <laughs> Left or, eye. Or
0: right eye. Or let me put it to you this way. Left uh, eye. You can even put it up to Third your children. Eye. And here's my experience with. Children, especially children that like to, you know,
3: play in the yard, they taste good with ketchup. No, for the most part, Uh. kids like
0: low cut grass. For the most part, they like low cut grass because you see, without a doubt, they don't trip, they don't trip. Uh, their ball plays well on the grass, so they tend to prefer low cut.
2: That yeah, the other thing I was gonna say, and somebody just brought it up in the chat. One other idea, crazy, bug up your ass idea, robot on the muta Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, and just have yeah. it constantly cut at that one inch or three quarter inch that the robot can do. When mm-hmm. you're not mowing, the robot is. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: You're just changing. Political
0: you're just changing capital. razor
3: blades every couple of weeks. <laughs>
2: Political capital just went up. <laughs>
3: yeah. mm-hmm. I I
2: guess so, one of
4: my things with with
2: sorry. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead.
4: One of my things with that is like, how do we get from two thousand square feet to sixty thousand square feet with with two separate heights of cut and a robot mower? It and- it, it,
1: it's, it sounds complex. With a robot mower, it could be more complex because you're going to have to add continual lines to expand it, right? Um, and, and so, you know, you'll have to have to go in and make that adjustment, uh, with, with mowing it's, you. It, when I say the line is going to stand out to you, it's going to be so obvious and it's going to be even more obvious when it starts spreading into your fescue, you're going to, you're going to stand over top of it. And you're like, Oh wow, that's actually moved a foot into the fescue. I might want to kill <laughs> that foot that it's moved into and then kill another foot beyond it to give it. I'd encourage it to real, move over in that yeah. way. Um, the the so it, if if that part has you wigged out, I promise, once you see it, you're gonna be like, oh, oh okay, 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 because it, that is the least complex part of it at all. Okay. I mean, just like not complex at all. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, I I I think a rotary motor where you can just flip your deck up and down real quick, like you're golden, you're not gonna think anything about it, and it, it'll just it'll just happen naturally um the so it'll be like
4: this week i did 10 stripes last week it was nine like it'll just keep yes just mow it and it'll i'll
0: just keep on going yeah almost like magic almost like
1: literally like magic
0: and let me tell you something about scalped cool season turf Scalped cool season turf tends to be invaded by bermuda anyway yeah it does (laughs) it does Literally
1: when I started my backyard, I had very little Bermuda in it and I sprayed the thing with, with monument just to see what I had left. And there wasn't much at all. And, uh, and you know, that first year I rotary cut it at two inches, maybe an inch and a half and just fertilized it every month. And sometimes did real dumb shit with it too. And, uh, (laughs) and it just, and it just beautifully grew in no problem at all. Just, it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And I know you and I have a similar climate. Now I don't I was gonna look up your uh rain totals on the year. Um uh per your zip code that uh that was shared with and us. More impor-
0: and more important than rain totals when that <clears throat> rain actually falls. That's the that's actually the key question mm. is when does it actually fall? Because rain at the wrong time of the year ain't no good.
3: So let's see here. Your average
1: rainfall is uh three basically four inches in March, four inches of April, four and a half inches in May, four inches in June, four inches in July, three point six inches in August, three point seven inches in September. You get 42 and a half on the year. you you the, you you will you will sell them half to water. I can tell you that right now. Uh you'll probably flip on the water. Uh I'm I'm gonna say no more than 10 times in a year
3: and uh and you're it's it's just going to continue to grow
2: yeah i think the uh i think you're going to be happier with it like in terms of texture look the feel all that kind of stuff with it closely mowing, and when i say closely jay pink throw this up real quick I'll Give you here's average
1: high temperatures in that same time period oh, april no. 70 degrees uh, May is uh 80 degrees. June is 86 degrees. July is 91 degrees. August is 90 degrees. September is 82 degrees. October is 71 degrees. So ample ample heat hard.
2: there to to get it done. Yeah, and uh, uh, look at this. Look at this. What are, what a that's uh, rotary mowing Bermuda grass at. Tell me that doesn't make you want to take your half. pants
1: off and just roll around in it.
2: Go ahead. And go ahead. And give me a close up here, Jipping. Let's do close ups. It's tight.
3: Yeah. I would, I would touch it with my testicles. <laughs> Is that not so, so, yes, get fucked as a fucking weirdo.
4: So be beyond mowing. What's the other sh- stuff I probably should have to, <sighs> might could do to it?
1: A, you l- know, don't overcomplicate this. Mowing yes, exactly. Simple. Water y- y- and and nauseum and, and, and let me tell you err on the side of too little water than too than too much water right yep. so if you're questioning yourself right now like ah man i just i don't think it really needs let it get a little purple. i just really don't think it needs water right now then don't fucking turn on the water
0: let it or get little, if it's Eevee like evie says evie says that's
1: assuming we're not in a severe drought like we have been though matt yes i i understand i understand yeah uh if, okay we'll we'll do this 2022 rainfall and then I'm gonna put in your zip code um, uh, let me let me see uh, so last year was the sixth straight year with above average rainfall in your area so okay I, yes where you are EV may totally be a thing um, here obviously not an issue so again you know if you're getting 42 and a half 44 inches of rain I, I average 51 inches of rain here. And I can tell you on Bermuda grass, you know how many times I have to pull a sprinkler? Never, literally never, unless I just want to, for whatever reason, I don't ever have to, there may be a week or two where it starts to get a little crispy if I go four weeks without rain, but you know what? I'll let it get a little crispy because when the rain does come, it typically comes with the holy thunder and, uh, and you know, I just, it just resets itself. That's the beautiful thing about Bermuda too. You don't get rain for four weeks. It's okay. You'll be shocked at how much it still fucking ends up growing. And like, this is crazy. I don't know when it's growing right now. I haven't had rain in four weeks, but the motherfucker's still putting off runners. Doesn't make sense to me. It is oh, it does. In, in, in terms of complexity, it is it is the, the least amount of complexity. So really, really, the only other thing that you have to concern yourself with is just putting out fertilizer. And the easiest way, especially for the square footage that you're dealing with, is literally fertilizer once a month. You can, you, can, you can stick to that schedule once a month. Apply three quarters of a pound to a pound of nitrogen. You can do it in granular form. Just keep it easy. And it's going to continue to grow.
3: Yes. It's just going to yes. keep fucking
1: growing. And if you're yeah. feeling I mean, real froggy, you... time it with the rain. Hey, I got rain coming on Thursday. I think I might, I might fertilize on Wednesday. You know what? I've only got time on Tuesday, and they're calling for rain on Friday. Fuck it. I'm going to put it down on Tuesday. And you know what? It's probably not going to make that big of a fucking difference
3: to you. Or the grass.
2: There you go. I, I agree. I think that, you know, even mowing at a higher height, I think that'll be a little bit more uh, forgiving, a little helpful. you forgiving for sure. 100% forgiving. I think, you know, just basic stuff, though. Keep your blades sharp. You know, do like just do the basics and see how far you get. Here's the nice thing. Here is the nice thing, especially as you you seem like an observant kind of person, right? And you say that you're home a lot, so you're going to be able to look at it, you know, and just probably go out there and stare at it from time to time. Maybe even admire it a little bit, you know, fawn over it. Uh, Keep your pants on. And during that time, I want you to make sure that you are, you know, looking at what it's doing so that come the next year, here's the nice thing is that, you know, spring and fall, you know, you have a little bit of an opportunity with cool season grass, right? But spring you know you're just trying to beat the clock before it gets hot as balls and you know you hope that it can survive and fall you know maybe you get some rain maybe you don't it's a dry fall whatever with this stuff you know if you don't like the way it looks and you think about it like all winter long like yeah you know it could adjust it you can whack the hell out of this stuff and just kind of start like have a reset you know early on in the season and kind of get yourself back where you want to be so like if you say you know what it was just too tall and a little too lumpy last year. I didn't like that. Come in the next year, scalp that down to dirt, pull a ray, right,
3: and just start over.
2: Right? It's the it's actually, the beauty of it. So, oh.
0: actually, we we do need to kind of visit spring maintenance on Bermuda because what's going to happen to Bermuda is that yes, it is going to go dormant completely over winter, and so. Part of maintenance is going to become cutting it down in the spring, remove all the old dormant growth, and then allowing it to come up fresh for the summer. That's the the difference. However, to me, that seems like a fair trade-off versus the spring being so frantic where the cool season grass is growing so much that you wish it would stop growing, and then yeah. come July, it's on the verge of death, and you're praying for it to live. I mean, that would be, yeah, that would, I agree, that would be stressful. But then, it's just that when you have Bermuda, what you need to do and when you need to do it is a little bit different. You know, that's that's the only difference. And but then at the same time. I also know that with Bermuda, unlike cool season grass, it loves its fertilizer and low mowing. Out of out of all the grasses, it loves its fertilizer and low mowing. So this is actually a, a grass that is, you know, such that you can make it look very
3: good if you're willing to put in the work. you know, as far as, you know, making it look good, Bermuda is very malleable in that aspect.
2: So that, that springtime, you know, what, what the scalp, you know, you hear everybody joke about scalping, pre-scalping all that, you know, basically, you know, in your case, because you're, you're just saying, listen, like I'm going to do the basics, right. And we'll see how far that gets us, you know, putting them over down as low as it goes, just shoot all that stuff right out there in the cool season grass and mulch it all up and forget about it. But I think the 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 overarching thing to take away from the, that question is: do the basics right, and if you don't like how it looks, you can turn the what dial you up do? and make it look better mm, and better yeah. and better yeah, if yeah, you want yeah. to. Right? So mm-hmm. start small, right? Good point. It, you know, and and you can definitely ramp it up if you want to. You know.
3: Okay. Yeah. And I don't know
4: the. The right way to say this without sounding like a weirdo man. but like I'm, I'm very much like a function yeah, it's a first person it's good <laughs> um, what is so it how like the sound how by? it how it looks is kind of gonna be a result of how healthy it is in my opinion like i'm not been out of shape about some color or something like that i want something that like right. it's there probably is. a weird term like it plays well i mean no, I, no, I know no. that's probably more durable you wanted something i get really, it you want something durable like that, that plays, it, Like plays like you can enjoy eric? and and eric? yeah like
0: eric Because that's get the cool season you... people around us yeah no sorry. eric i get it because <laughs> do you know why i'm basically a function first person when it comes to turf and landscapes yeah. that, that's like comes first to me actually in that If somebody tells me, oh, this doesn't look good right now, you know what I have to say to them? okay? Because I'm more interested in the long-term function and longevity of that lawn and landscape. And so for me, this whole point about mowing it low
3: has Little to do with how it looks. It's about function. Okay. It's functional.
4: Right. And that's I kind of ran into that last year a little bit with my lawn. So like Mm -hmm. it was just getting Mm -hmm. too uh, you were playing in it and it's it's too tall, right? It's moaning at three and a half inches and that's you're losing baseballs and it's everyone's pissed, right? So I'm like I I can cut it shorter, you know? So by the time I get down to like two and three quarters it's it's good but i know damn well that it's not going to like the heat when it comes around but it's it's
0: going
4: to kind of make that trade because it just makes sense to me like i if i have a yard that looks good but i can't play in it and then, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then uh, that's that's not the point right so yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's one of the appeals of the warm season turf to me is that it, it's going to behave better when <laughs> i treat it like i want to
0: Actually, you're going to want it to take it beyond
3: what you think. And the reason why is because
0: functionally, it is not easy to make a rotary mower mow low without it scalping or yanking out grass. It's not easy to do that. Okay. And I'm not talking about laser leveled sports fields. I'm talking about what happens in a residential lawn. Okay. It's not easy because I often get this misconception, for example, where people say, "Ah, you're going to run a real mower on that. And the reason why I run a real mower on an area is because I know that. I can get that real mower to molo without taking up chunks of the turf and the dirt and shooting it out the side chute. That's why I run a real mower. Is so that I can mow low without all of that, you know, nastiness. And in Hawaii, you know, when when the mower grabs the grass and you know shoots it out the side chute, we call that a rat
3: bite. Okay,
0: so you know, there's this whole thing about okay, you can do it, but just think when you do pre- decide to go there. I know the reality of using a rotary mower is that when you do that and you want to try to make that rotary mower mow low, your ground has to be so smooth in order for that to work, it has to be super smooth.
2: So let me ask this, too, real quick, and I'm going to jump back in here at the end and talk a little bit about winter kill and what might happen there. But, Matthew, with sod yes. in this climate, what kind of weed control, both in the, in the sodding sense, during establishment, do you think Eric might face in terms of pressure and all that, and then on, ongoing from a maintenance perspective and knowing that you know he wants to keep it playable, durable, all that. But, you know, shit happens, and he might have to clean some stuff up. What would your advice be on herbicide usage? Uh where he's gonna be at, it's gonna be
1: nuts edge, uh buttonweed, um uh probably your let, like one... wild onion. Yeah, okay. Okay, then yeah, okay. you'll have to continue to deal with that. And and maybe some less Something something along that line. So mm. um I think you could get away with um I would I would probably use
3: uh um in my arsenal I would have uh certainty
1: I would have met sulfuron methyl I would have Celsius
3: in a generic three way.
2: No more fungicides, just herbicides. Right, just no yeah, no fungicide just a few, at all. No fungicide
0: needed. Yeah. Just a few herbicides on hand. And what if I told you that when it comes to efficacy of the herbicides, what can be applied to Bermuda is hands down way more powerful than what you can put down on a on a cool season turf. So wild onion, no big deal, because for wild onion, what takes that out is a combination of mitsulfuron mesol and a three-way or else mitsulfuron mesol and a three-way ester in the early spring. So you can do things to that Bermuda that make it mostly less weeds and oh here's the other difference between bermuda and a cool season grass the lower you mow it
2: the less weed pressure you have generally so let's talk about too from when you know when to treat when you're going to see those weeds and all that kind of stuff i think the thing to understand about this Bermuda that's going to be a little bit different and that this is where you're going to see your biggest difference in the mowing right is that this stuff's going to be going nuts in the summertime and you're really not going to have to touch it out there probably until Mother's Day maybe something like that so it's going to be a little bit different in the, in the spring and then especially as you go through fall it's going to slow down as well you need to think of the growth pattern on this as kind of like uh, an airplane flight right like You know, you kind of get off the ground and then you ascend pretty quickly. You get to a cruising altitude, you stay there for a while, and then you descend. And it's when you're getting close to that descent that you don't want to do anything crazy, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, in the climate that you're in where you're going to have some cold weather like you had around Christmas time and all that. You want to not stress that grass. You want to kind of get to the point where, like Ray was saying, coming out of the spring and taking off all that dead material you know, that's not only encouraging, you know, new growth, but it's also trying to get your Bermuda growing and happy as quickly as it possibly can so that it can generate enough carbohydrate reserves to manage its way through winter. You'd heard that right. Carbohydrate, not carbohydrate. So
3: <laughs>
2: mind blown. Uh, you had to be there. So on the other, on the other front, there is, you know, that's why you're fertilizing once a month. That's why you're you know just pushing it along little bit of N. I don't think you need to go crazy with it. Uh, you know, you don't need to be one pound of N per month. You can probably, you know, in a, in a lawn situation like that, pull it back to a half pound and be fine. You get a lot of traffic out there. If you got the kids out there kicking balls around, playing baseball, going nuts, you got a lot of barbecues and stuff like that, go ahead and kick it up a little notch. That's not going to hurt anything. Um, but as you get towards the end of the summertime, you know, so August and definitely September, all your N applications cease. No more. So the whole idea of fall feeding like you would normally do with a cool season lawn that is completely off the table, we do not need to do that, okay? So winter time, you know, the things that are going to predispose this to failure, i.e. winter kill are going to be a couple of things. Number 1 is going to be desiccation, which means drying out of the turf, right? So if I'm remembering uh looking at the house, there you know, the front lawn whenever it gets done is going to be kind of shielded from you know those those really heavy north winds um you know maybe some westerlies whipping through there but for the most part it's going to be your backyard that's the most exposed right because you're going to have north and west winds ripping over top of that at all times so you know there are things that you can do to help out with that if especially if you know you're going to have a dry winter but i don't think you really have a whole lot of that going on the thing that's probably more concerning is you know prolonged ice cover right so not so much uh snow for the most part, you can live through snow and just be, and be just fine. Iron cutters are pretty darn resilient grass, but ice and Bermuda do not go together, go together very well. Um, same thing for uncovered, you know, so no snow cover for long periods of, you know, single digits and things like that, which can happen. It's not usual or typical, but, uh, you know, the foundation fields, like where all the iron cutter in the world comes from are actually in Oklahoma there. Uh, and they've been, uh, you know, they've had multiple days now in the last two years where they've been completely uncovered, um, no snow cover down in single digits and have held up just fine. So not saying that you're not going to lose anything. Uh, what's what we've found. And I'll tell you this from, you know, a, a Midwestern perspective, you know, a little bit further North. Um, but you know, it's generally lower pockets, you know, in the ground where water sits and freezes and you do get that ice accumulation. You know, so like you get a melt and then it free freezes or something like that, and it does that repeatedly. You know, over the course of several days or something like that, that could be problematic. So another reason why, and I should have said this too at the top when I was talking about you know adding that soil and things like that, even if it's for nothing more than to correct some grades and just try to smooth things out a little bit, it would be to your benefit to do that for you know, for just that reason alone. Let alone growing in better soil. So keep that in mind too. And I think you know get through that first year. And figure out what kind of adjustments you need to make. You know, even if you lose a little bit of grass, uh, you know, if you've got, hell, I'd say a couple of plants inside of a, you know, two or three square foot area. And you notice that, oh, man, I lost a lot of this, but there's still a few plants left. And it's May when this stuff's just waking up. You'll be fine by July 4th. Like, it's that aggressive. So, uh, you know, that's the one thing to prep uh leadership for right? That, Hey, listen, it's, uh, and this is what I always say is that, you know, it's going to look, it's worst in, you know, April and May, like right at the very tail end of when it's, it's dormant period, right? That's when you're looking at, you're like, all right, we got to see what's going on. And something else you can do too, uh, to that end, uh, we're doing it here right now in Ohio, in in, anywhere in the transition zone, if you've got Bermuda and you want to see what you're working with is just go take a plug, you know, Doesn't have to be particularly big, you know. Uh take it with a shovel, you can take it with a cup cutter, you can take it with a a pro plug or whatever you've got. Take that and set it in a pie pan and put it in your window and keep it watered, like inside the house. Make sure it's got access to good sun, and that'll green up pretty quick between the temperature of the air in your house, right? Warming up the soil and then having access to good sun, it will you'll find out what you got. So there's some times where you put those plugs in your window and everything's green in seven, eight days, and you're like, all right, hey, this is gonna be a good year. And then there's other times where you're like, hey so let's see you know you start taking more plugs because you got nothing growing you're trying to figure out how widespread the damage might be and 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 start uh calculating the bill in your head so those are just tips and i i, I really want to stress this because it sounds like you're you're walking in uncharted territory and i i get that feeling i mean lifelong 100%. cool season ohio guy here that took the same plunge albeit you know um <laughs> I didn't have a wife looking over me. I had more like an entire community of people that were looking over me. But either way, both of our dicks are on the deli slicer here. And it's inching ever closer to being on the scale. We don't want that to happen, okay? Uh, Salami is not on sale this week as far as my Kroger is concerned. So what I'm going to tell you here is just keep it basic. Do not overthink it. Do not overdo it. Uh, You have way more power to control a few things than trying to add complexity, like what Matt and Ray were both saying. So, the, the bottom line is this: is if you can get it installed and keep it alive, such that it can get established. After that, mow it, water it when it needs it, fertilize it. The rest will take care of itself. It's a pretty amazing uh, plant. So, that's my that's my uh, end of my TED talk on this whole thing. But, what other questions do you have? You know, we're not trying to run you out of here, but you, you you seem like you probably have a lot of questions. We talked a lot because uh, we all want to see you be successful. Sorry.
3: Uh, yeah,
4: I guess I'm still. Uh, maybe the the basic question is: so when we say take that 2,000 square foot area in the backyard and show up with a few pallets of sod, what's that look like? You know, the week before oh, sure. the day of, like. <laughs>
2: Ah, great question. Great question. Great question. Okay. So, okay, go ahead, Ray.
3: Okay.
0: Because you have a cool season grass and you're converting to warm season,
3: it is as simple as dead the week before, removed to final grade right before sod comes,
0: and then sod is down, rolled, made flat, and then kept irrigated. Uh, How are you planning on ground prepping that area before you lay the sod down? What machinery, tools, equipment do you have available to you? So
4: I, I'm not sure yet on what ground prep. I mean, I, I guess I started today thinking that there was going to be more people in the plug camp than, than, the, than this camp. Um, got access to tractors, skid steer, so Harley rake and, and teller, I guess, are, are my two okay.
0: Okay. easiest uh, things to reach for. There's going to be one more thing that I want you to source. A 750 to 1,000 pound roller. Jeez.
3: And do you know why?
4: So I can watch it there, sit there without anything.
3: (laughs) No.
0: So that by the time it's all said and done, this sawd install is flat and smooth. Okay. I'm going to repeat this install needs to be flat and smooth because. A flat and smooth Bermuda turf install is probably one of the most important things I can think of. I mean, it has to be, because at the end, you don't have a very high tolerance for uneven or bumpy ground. (laughs) This is a little different, because this has to be more like one of Ryan's sports fields. Okay. Flat and smooth.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I'm going to give you a range of options, right? A range of options, And we'll go start with the quick and dirty, which is just literally cut an edge or, you know, get, go rent a side cutter from home Depot Cut an edge right around your red squares right there so you have something to install up next to, like to butt the sod up against, and then remove all that stuff. Get it out of there the day or two before your sod or as long as you want in advance so when your, your sod rolls in there, you're ready to start laying and just lay it right on top of the ground that's there. You, you can spray that grass out, you know, kill it off with Roundup, and then... Um, uh, literally just take it right into there. You can smooth out your edge where your transition is from where you sod cut and you're, you're into the grass a little bit, but you could do that. I would, in that case, I would scalp down your cool season after you've sprayed it out to get as much of that plant material out of there, that dead plant material. So, you know, whether you, uh, scalp it down with your 48 and you just blow the, the chaff and everything out into your lawn, or if you get the bagging mower back out and, you know, get rid of it that way, you know, I'm not going to say I don't recommend it. It really just depends on, you know, down the line, two things. Number one, you know, if you decide to turn up the dial and you start real mowing this and everything like that, you're going to be kicking yourself that you didn't do this. Number one. And number two, you mentioned you know, about the durability, playability, all that kind of stuff. So if you have the time on the front end to prepare this, you know, coming into like may, I would strongly recommend that you do this now. So what can you do or what should you do? Um, you know the other things that you could you can take uh to heart is just bring in some soil right and do the same thing i just said you're going to add this la- next layer of complexity right so you've kind of perimetered or picture framed everything out with your sod cutter so you've got a nice edge to lay up against you've kind of tapered the grades where you're going back up into your lawn so make that look uh, and make not make sure you don't have that like shelf where the sod's been cut and then um from there you're going to add soil into your low areas and just kind of do like a uh Ryan Knorr style leveling. You know, you've seen those videos, I'm sure on YouTube where people are just throwing soil or sand right on top of their lawn and trying to smooth things out and doing the best they can to float that and essentially get it where it needs to be. Nothing wrong with that. It would work. And I think it would be highly effective if you don't want to go any further than that. And you you have a pretty, you know, evened up lawn, uh, it's going to be a little bit of work, but you know that's that's part of it, right? If you want to have you know that higher level or higher degree of accuracy. The last one is you're going all in. You're gonna go out and uh how comfortable are you running equipment? When I say equipment, I mean like bigger stuff. And I, I maybe not like a I'm talking like a freaking mini X or anything like that, but just in general terms, uh, one to ten.
4: Yeah, I I'd give it a nine. <laughs> a all
3: right. Eric's uh, out here to go fuck. He's he's, he's got to like some
2: shit up. Right. I mean, okay. So then, so now you're going to go to the local rental yard and you're going to get yourself a dingo and you're going to get yourself a power rake on that dingo. And you're going to go out and power rake some of this soil up and really smooth it out and get your grades nice and even. You're probably going to even get yourself, you know, some type of a rake or a leveling bar or something like that to pull behind your 48 inch mower, right? To just Tape it right on okay. the back and go ahead and smooth all that stuff out. It's like you're dragging a baseball field or something like that and get it real nice and smooth so that when your sod comes in, you've got a perfectly prepped piece of ground. You lay your sod right on top of that. And even before you put your sod down, uh, Ray, cover your ears. You might not want to hear this, but I'm going to say, go ahead and throw that fertilizer down, pre-plant right on top of the soil and then lay the sod right over top of it. Actually, no, I'm not, happy I'm not
0: objecting to that because for the longest time, You know, as long as I've been in the business, practice for me was to take my one, one, one and lime if that ground needed it or sulfur if it needed it, broadcast that down, power rate that into the soil and then roll it and then put down the turf grass. So I'm not objecting. I agree. I agree. You heard it here first.
2: Ray turns his condoms inside out with Sheila. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> run <around laughs> under hot water run under hot what? water first okay but oh but eric uh
0: again the when you're dealing with bermuda
3: flat and smooth and non-settling
0: once you're done with the install become very good things because my nightmare areas are the ones where i walk on that recently installed area and i start to sink in i don't like that and with what he saw it in, in i start to sink in with my feet when and i'm not a and i'm not a heavy guy so that's not supposed to happen
2: but that is what happens when
0: people don't roll
2: oh and yeah roll heavy but, enough uh, uh, <laughs> I do think the rolling, there's some merit there. I I agree with any thought installable rolling in a homeowner situation. Like it can be tough. I mean, uh, it it would suck, but you could do it. I mean, you could literally just put the deck up on your zero turn and tire roll that. It would take a long time, but you could do it if you cared. Yeah. Um, and that would be that would be okay. But in that sense, um, those are the three layers of complexity. So it's literally just. One way or the other, I would spray out the grass there. That way you're going to kill everything off and, you know, maybe lower your weed pressure a little bit, that kind of thing. Uh, you're going to go out and uh, mow that all off, you know, after you've let it die off um, and try to get all that extra vegetation out of there. You're going to strip out that those perimeters, right, and get those nice and clean so you have good edges to sod up against and kind of take off that little, so you've got the outside edge, the inside edge towards where you're sodding, you're going to have a little shelf there. Just got to kind of carve that out. You can either do that with the sod cutter at a little, little bit of an angle and do some some uh, finesse work with that or just go along there with the shovel and slice that down so you don't have that ridge right there. And then, like I said, the last the last two steps of complexity would be either one, just throwing down some soil or sand, you know, some good dry uh, pulverized topsoil would work. Uh, if you have to use sand, you can, I, I'd try to use the topsoil if at all possible. And then finally, if you really want to go ham, uh, go ahead and get you, um, you know, the power, it can do that. Last one, I guess we we talked about, we didn't really go over, but uh, you know, I would, if you do want to add a good topsoil over top of it, uh, this is where, again, I'd still picture frame it out, cut it out with your, your sod cutter. And if you do bring in that soil, it's a good opportunity to bring in like a dingo or a, a track load or something like that. if you want to you know play around with some some big boy toys or something like that but uh you'd want to go along that edge of you know wherever your patio is or something like that you know those tapered edges and slice into those so that you you know if the concrete's this deep you can slice down below that and at least have a good um profile you know depth of soil right there as opposed to just like tapering up you know good topsoil and like only having an inch of that stuff over top of it could you just do that you could do it but if you're going to that route you know i i would go all the way but there's i think there's value there right again uh, uh, in terms of uh having good soil to grow in holding more moisture all that kind of stuff as opposed to just growing in crap so there you have it Is, does that all make sense in terms of what your what your prep looks like a lot yeah right? that I'm makes sure. that
4: that that uh that, that clears up a lot i guess the two questions i had i wrote down during that were um how long you have to keep the kids off the sod until like after it's laid.
2: I would say if you, if you lay it in good weather, you know, so if we're up in the nineties, things like that, and you've got good soil temperatures all that, and it starts to root in, I would say no more. I'd say three weeks is probably uh, a stretch. Like that might be uh, a little bit conservative of trying to keep them off there until it's really, really rooted in, but probably 10 to 14 days. And it's it's definitely go time at that point. I don't know what do y'all think.
3: Actually, I think 2 to 3 weeks is
0: you know, a fair amount of time and provided your water and your nutrients are all in order, I can imagine Bermuda sod rooting in approximately 14 days and being ready for ready for play so to speak.
3: I can imagine it. And so
0: yeah, you just. Uh, this is just not a bad. You no, know, let me ask you this: Is it going to be impossible to keep the kids
3: off for at least two weeks?
4: The only way it's possible is if we take a vacation to Florida. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> short answer is yes. Wow. Uh, that that that's that sounds like um, wow. So
2: project project budget just went up.
0: No, actually but, the the. But
4: I, I say on it, I mean, they're 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 weigh 40 pounds and they're going to walk across it and go play somewhere else. I mean, they're yeah, gonna, I mean, they're they're not you know, going to destroy it. They're I not mean, four, 350 well, pound linebackers. Right. Like,
2: Yeah. I mean, two yeah, weeks. So, so you're so, fine. Ten days. You're it's all going to work out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because ah. they do have other areas that they can go play on. Right.
4: Right. I mean, they do an acre yeah, and a half. So, they can find another place to put their swing set.
0: Exactly. So so that's uh, that's where, you know, I'm kind of thinking that if you can reno this in sections or areas, then that becomes manageable or doable. It's just that, okay, this section is being redone right now, so you gotta go you guys gotta go play over there. That's it. I mean, this is not, this is making it a lot simpler. Okay, this is making it a lot simpler for you because you can just tell the kids, okay, this area is being, you know, redone, so you, gotta, you guys got to go play over there. I mean, this is not hard now because, I you know, if you have this much area, my God, this opens up so much versus these tight, constrained areas that I typically have to deal with where there's nowhere else to go.
3: So you've got an ideal situation, actually. <laughs> Come to think of
4: it i guess my my last question i wrote down was what's kind of the biggest cons of the plugging um that we i guess started with with ray's suggestion of, of going out there with the old dewalt drill right. and making a bunch of holes and uh what's the what's the negative there
3: labor
0: and growing that's 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 the cons that i can think of because I do this with the preface that I'm gonna be there
3: to fertilize
0: it and keep it watered until it pops back up.
3: And
0: at first, and the other thing that I'm going to kind of caution you on, even though you say that you're a function person is at first, when the Bermuda first comes up, that area is going to look extremely weird. Because you're going to see all of the little tufts of Bermuda popping up. Okay, so you're going to have that at first. And for some people, they're going to start with, oh my goodness, that looks so bad. That looks so terrible. It's like, you know what? It's going to look like this temporarily. And then, it's going to transition over to Bermuda, and you're no longer going to be dealing with the issues that you had with the old grass. So that's that's the that's the cons that I can think of. Th- those are the main ones,
3: you know. And also, yeah.
0: when you're we're t- I'm talking about plugging, or that one day, it is also a commitment where. You've got the sheets of sod that, once you, once you have the sheets of sod, once you start this, you got to keep going until all of that sod has been turned into plugs and has been installed in the lawn. It's a little bit of a commitment where you're, you're, once you have the sheets of sod, you are beyond the point of no return. <laughs> you're committed. That's, 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 my, that's my cons that I can think of.
2: I, yeah, I would say the same. I think you, you've. Here's what I would say, okay. If that side area is not so important to you, I would try and maybe mess around with that, even if it's only part of that area, and just see what it's mm-hmm. like, because uh, it, it is a it's patient process. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it's and maybe see if for the... you can <laughs> for the front. Yeah, for the front, I I I don't see a problem with that. And maybe it helps you get some more sod down on the front, right. Instead of wasting it on the side and you can just see how far out, I mean, man, there's so much more to talk about with establishment that we could, we could sit here all night. I mean, uh, dormant plugging. I think that's, that's an option, right. Of getting stuff in the ground Mm -hmm. early so that when it starts to pop, you've got good spring rains and, you know, warming soils and you can go ham with that all winter long. Right. Um, when it seems like there's nothing to do, go out during that extended lunch break and, you know, be like uh, Andy Dufresne taking rocks out of his cell, right? Uh, that <laughs> is completely lost right now with that movie reference. He was like Andy Dufresne, great baseball player back in got 2005. No <laughs> Third baseman, gosh, hot corner. He's great. Loved him. Anyway, that'll be insane. By the way, go Redbirds, right? Uh, hey, that's right. <laughs> hi. Uh, right here, buddy. I got you. All right, one more question, and then listen—we uh, don't want to rush you out of here, but we got to get going, and uh, we want to hear more about this. You're on the—you're on the Discord server. You're a, uh, a patron and a good—a good member. You came to Louisville, even brought his dad to Louisville. That's how committed he was. I had beers with this guy's dad. It was—it was intense. They're both Northeast Ohio guys. Do you know that this guy grew up? Now he's a little bit younger than me, but he grew up uh, probably about a 35-minute drive from. The ancestral home of Ryan DeMay, if you can believe that. <laughs> he's a he's a Canadian transplant. He's another Canadian that DeMay. is. Yes. All night in the chat, everyone
4: thinks that you two are related.
2: It's true. <laughs> we are related. We're, we both have Northeast Ohio blood. And you know what, boys? If we're from Canada, they're right. The borders are wide open. All right? Because we're spilling south. All right? So anyway. Um. We'll we'll take one more question. We want to follow along, and we'll definitely have you back on as you get closer, uh, to to springtime and get ready to do this. So, I would I would do is watch this over again, take some notes, you know, relive the conversation, and kind of formulate your next step, your next phase of questions, because I'm sure they'll be there, and we'd love to talk you through it. But any other questions here as we wrap up and get ready to go to the after show?
4: Um, I guess the the on the plugging side, if I did that in an area, um. Would you do anything other than to beat up the? Because that's gonna be that's gonna be the hard pill to swallow, right? Is if I do this first weekend of j- June, my yard's gonna have mm-hmm. never looked better than it does the first weekend of June this year. Um, so, do I need to do anything to beat year. it up, like scalp it? Um, no, or no, you don't. When there was some, go don't right do it.
2: Go. Okay. Yep. Don't, don't pretend do like, pretend like it. nothing happened, and you're just going and plugging. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, so, you, you don't cool disturb season can't or it.
0: yeah, you you don't disturb or upset or kill or even scalp this cool season area that you plan to plug into. You just plug into plug in the Bermuda, and the as I said, the divorce is finalized when you see that Bermuda come back up from the holes. Okay, so you're not having to, as I said, deal with a dead or disturbed area where you got to keep everybody off of it when you plug. You don't have to.
3: Okay.
2: Bueno? Bueno? (laughs) uh, On to... We'll be on to chapter two. He's going to take that and edit our 10,000 word salad down into, you know, some, some legitimate questions and then come back and hit us up again. And it'll be even more fun. Yes. Good luck. Uh, all right. We are going to head to the
1: show after the show. For those of you that have never checked it out. Uh, it is, uh, adults having adult conversation. If you're into that kind of thing, great. If you're not, no harm, no foul. We will not be mad at you. Uh check it out over at patreon.com forward slash burn return. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the flip side.